0: Luke chapter 10, verses 21 through 24 is where we'll be this morning. Before we start reading that, I'd like to share briefly a story that happened in the book of Esther. This morning I like to title this sermon for such a time as this. Mordecai was concerned. He rushed to speak with Esther. He was sweating, he was nervous. He had to find Queen Esther. You see, a decree had went out that all of the Jews would be killed. Mordecai found Hathach the eunuch, that was Esther's servant. He was Esther's bodyguard. Mordecai begged the eunuch to go take a message to, to Queen Esther and to tell Esther that she must go before the king and beg for the life of her people. Esther responded. She sent a message back that said, Mordecai, you don't understand. I have not been before the king in 30 days. And if I go before the king when I am not summoned, I could be killed. I could die. The message comes back to Mordecai. He's heartbroken. And this is what he responds. He says, straight from Esther chapter 4, verse 13, starting. He says, Esther, do you not think... That in the king's palace, you will escape more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. In other words, God's going to take care of his people. But Mordecai saying, Esther, if you want to be a part of it, if you want to be a part of what God's doing, Go speak to the king. And he says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my young women will also fast. As you do, then I will go to the king. Though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Church, we need some guts like that today. More than ever. Luke chapter 10, we'll start reading verse 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced, In the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Now he is Jesus. Jesus is talking here, talking to the Father. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. There in the first verse, it says, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Why? We'll get to that in a second. It's because of the few verses preceding this passage. The Lord rejoiced. Did you know that Jesus was happy sometimes? He was filled with joy. He was excited. We should be excited as believers we should be, have the joy of the Lord. doesn't mean we walk around with a smile on our face all the time. But we should have the joy of the Lord no matter the valley, no matter the difficulty, no matter the circumstance. It's impossible to really know the Lord and have the Lord living on the si- inside of you and never having the joy of the Lord. I've met some Christians that I believe they were baptized in prune juice. Some people just don't want to be happy. They don't. You could say you have an all-expense... Uh, paid vacation uh, to the beach down at the tip of Florida, and they'd say, No, I don't like the beach. You say, okay, we'll, we'll change it to go to the mountains. We'll go to Gatlinburg. No, I don't like the mountains. No, we'll go, Well, I'll tell you what, we'll pay for a cruise to Alaska. No, I don't like the cold weather. I mean, some people just don't want to be happy. Well, I've got to go to work. Well, I'll tell you what, we've already talked with your, your boss. We've guaranteed we'll give you $10 million. You've you got six weeks of vacation. You can go to Alaska. No, I just don't think I need to go. Some people don't want to be happy. Some people resist the goodness of God. And this morning, God's drawing all of us to join him in what he's doing. Speaking of joy and happiness, Mississippi State fans, do you want to talk about it? In a few weeks, LSU fans, I'm going to ask you the same question. I know you're saying, well, hey, this might be our year. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk. I'd like to give you three truths this morning, three facts spurred on by this scripture. Number one is this. We live in a time, we live in an era when true disciples have authority over all evil in Jesus' name. We live in a time when true disciples Have all authority over all evil. You say, well, where's your scripture reference? Okay. Let's go back to verse 17 here. The 72 return, verse 17, chapter 10. They return with joy, saying, Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. And then he warns them, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You say, that was given for the disciples. Well, friend, who do you think we are? We are the disciples that the disciples discipled. We are the, we're the result of the domino effect that has come down through the ages from these faithful, 12, ordinary, untrained people that took the gospel to Asia into Europe and to Africa. And we are the result of that. The gospel came to America years ago on a boat. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, only true disciples have authority, have unmatched. I forgot a word I I just jotted down earlier. They have not just authority, but they have unmatched authority. Okay, so if you're taking notes, scribbling that word if you don't mind. We live in a time when true disciples have unmatched authority over all the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name. You see, unbelievers, people have not responded to the gospel. Uh, They are, they don't realize it, but they're under the control of Satan. And they don't have a clue. They're blinded, they're deceived, they, they have not. And by the way, that was us before Christ saved us, amen? That was us. And the only difference today, church, between us and all the lost people all over Hancock County is the fact that God's grace saved us. It's nothing we did, nothing our mom and dad did to deserve it, but it's all the grace of God. And so for believers, those that uh, Colossians chapter 1 says, he delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light, those people have power over all the enemy. But lost people don't. They don't. They've never been born again. Sometimes we give the enemy too much credit, don't we? You see, people think that Satan is, a create, is a, an equal, powerful force from God. He's the opposite equal of God. Many people think that. He, he's the, okay, God is good and holy and righteous. Well, Satan's just the total opposite of that on the same level. And that's not true at all. You see, God's always been here. I am. I was, I am, and I will be. Satan is different. He was created by God. The book of Job tells us that the enemy is on a leash. The book of Job tells us that the enemy can only go so far as God permits, as it passes through the sovereign hand of God. So there's a leash on Satan. He's not all-powerful. He can't make you do one thing. Believer, the enemy, you say, well, the devil made me do it. No. He did not have that kind of power. Now, I'm not minimizing that, uh, that the, the enemy is not very powerful and very deceptive and very tricky. He's smart. But he can't make you do anything. He can't make me do anything, believer, because we have power over him in Jesus' name. Now, the enemy will attack you, right? The enemy will attack you where you're weak. He knows your struggles. He's going to attack you there. And he's patient too. I mean, when you're having a strong week spiritually, he's not probably going to bring that greatest attack. He's going to wait until you take your eye off the ball. He's going to wait until you get comfortable. He's going to wait until you're not in right fellowship with God's people. And by the way, he's attractive. He's attractive. He's not walking around with a pitchfork and red horns. He's walking around. He's the best-looking guy, the best-looking girl, the smartest, smoothest. He allures, he deceives, he lies. And believer, we do not need to be fooled by this enemy, nor his his little minions. If you walk by the Spirit, if you die to your flesh, you can have victory over every single attack of the enemy. Say that again. If you walk in the spirit and if you die to your flesh, you can have victory over any attack of the enemy. And you know that Satan's not our greatest enemy? Did you know that? The greatest enemy is what? It's that old flesh that we still have to carry around. And sometimes we blame Satan for what that old flesh is doing. And friend, if that's you today, if that's me today, we need to rein that flesh in. Until that flesh, you rest crucified. You say, well, I don't love my wife, and I love this other person. I, I, I uh, I just feel like I'm in love. Friend, you need to die to yourself. Love is a choice. Well, I don't feel like worshiping today, friend. Die to your flesh. Worship anyways, because the Bible says the rocks will cry out if you do not. You say, I don't feel like This, or I don't feel friend, what if Jesus said what he said when he was going to the cross? I don't feel like it today. You know, I've got a sinus infection. My family's driving me crazy. My mom's on my case. No, he went to the cross because he was obedient. His obedience led him to the cross. And so what the Lord was so excited about in verse 21 is he realized his children, his disciples. Un, started understanding this and that made the Lord be filled with joy. They discovered they had power over any attack of the enemy. And then he probably thought, you know, I was really concerned about these kids. I was really concerned about these guys. But now, you know what? They might can do this. They might do. They might do what I have called them to do. True followers always have power over the enemy. and including power cords. The question is today, are you a true follower? That's a question you have to ask yourself. You say, well, I grew up in the Baptist church, or I grew up in the Catholic church, or I grew up in the Methodist church, and we always went to church. Friend, going to church doesn't save you. You say, well, I went through all these rituals, and I did all these things. Friend, show me in the Bible where that says that's the way to heaven. The way to heaven Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and all who comes to the Father comes through me. Ephesians chapter 3 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself, it's a gift from God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. All authority. Number two, we live in a time of unparalleled understanding. We live in a time in 2018 of unparalleled understanding. We have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. We have 66 books of God's holy word. In a language, in our language, we can understand it. For those of us that cannot read yet, we have audio versions of it. We have God's precious gift to us. His love letter to us. We have understanding. We we are on post-cross era. We now see clearly prophecies fulfilled even at the cross. We see how the Old Testament from Genesis all the way through ties into the New Testament mission to make disciples of all nations. We understand now what Jesus was doing when he went to the cross and when he rose again. We now have full access to the Holy Spirit who is that Helper, capital H. You know, for many thousands of years, people did not have that, living on the inside of them. We have it. We live in a time of unparalleled understanding. We know our purpose. We know, according to God's word, our marching orders. We know it. We don't have to guess and try to say, well man, what should we be doing? No, you you make disciples. Clear, crystal clear. You know, a lot of churches get sideways on that. Example, I heard about a church this week. Sweet Country Church raised up a lot of people, but they've may have lost their way. I told the youth pastor, we can only take 28 kids to camp. Now, keep in mind, to go to the camp at this church, you have to pay your way fully. Okay? So, it's not like the church was paying for it. You know the, the excuse was? Well, we'd have to rent an extra church van to, to take all those kids. To that, I say, can, can you not Volunteer some folks to drive their cars to camp, drop them off and come back home, and then send, send another group to go get them. I mean, it, it, a church is telling, telling a student pastor, we got to cut off the limit at 28. Friend, that is not a New Testament-minded people. And that can happen to us. We can forget our way. The marching orders are very clear. There is no excuse. We are here for the glory of God, and we are here to make a fat splash in this city. We are here to be a torchbearer, to pass the baton of the faith to those that come behind us. We live in an incredible missions era. We come on the curtails of William Carey, Lottie Moon, Hudson Taylor, Billy Graham. You know, last year, the Southern Baptist Convention, churches, local churches raised $159 million. Dollars for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? That's the second highest ever. One hundred and fifty-nine million dollars. And that goes one hundred percent goes to take the gospel to the nations. Isn't that awesome? And I would say 159 mil is just a drop in the bucket for the Lord. He owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. And he owns the potatoes underneath the hills. And he owns the earthworms trying to find light. We now know that it's not about how much you know, but it's about who you know. You see, before God raised up these untrained and ordinary men, people thought, it's all about what you can do. It's all about getting it right. Well, I'm going to go to Sunday school, and I'm going to get my stickers, and I'm going to get my verses memorized perfectly, and and I'm not going to drink and smoke and curse, and and then, man, then I'll be walking with the Lord. Wrong. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he wants to do through us. That's why he chose David, the kid that wasn't even invited to the the man beauty pageant. He wasn't even invited uh, to, to the draft. And he was selected because he was scrawny, And young and ignorant. And God knew he loved the Lord and he could show his power in David's weakness. That's why he chose Queen Esther. He chooses the things that the world would never expect so that he gets the glory. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he wants to do through us. Example, look at the text. He rejoiced. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to who? Little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And then in verse 24, look what he says. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see. And to hear what you hear and did not hear. In other words, the Lord tells the disciples that the king of all the kings of the earth have desired to see what you guys are seeing. Prophets have desired to see what you are seeing. And you're getting to see things, and you're getting to hear things, that all those people, and all the things that they accomplished, they're not getting to see. Because I have chosen to reveal my precious will to little children. So that nobody's can tell anybody about the somebody. Next, last truth that I'll point out this morning. We live in a time of unprecedented possibilities. 2018. And I don't know about you, but I think today. If I could have chosen been born in any era, this is where I, where I would want to be. We live in a time of unprecedented possibilities. Acts chapter two, verse seventeen: In the last days, it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. People today are coming of the Lord all over the world. Where the American church has decided we're just going to stay put and do our thing, the Chinese church is taking, just moving in waves to take the gospel to the 1040 window. In Cuba, revivals breaking out, people coming to the Lord every week. You say, well, sometimes God does that around here. Absolutely. How much more so would He do around here if we were all bro- broken? and beg and cry out to God to move. Think about our church. We live in a time of unprecedented possibilities. Our church is filled with people who love the Lord. Not just a few, I mean a lot of people who really love Jesus. Our church is friendly. I mean, you can't say that about a lot of places in America. I had a dear friend from college that visited our church. He visited our church over the summer and he said, "Brett, I have, I have uh, visited worship services all over the world: Hindu, Islamic services, Jewish services. I've been to all kinds of churches my whole life." And what I experienced when I came to 1st Baptist Bay, St. Louis, I felt something I've never felt before. He says, I was overwhelmed. I've never experienced people being that friendly to me and genuinely caring about me. I about fell out when he told me that. I said, wow, that's a strong witness to our people. Our church is resilient. Think of all of the hurricanes that have hit this area since 1898 when our church started. All of the hurricanes. How many times they had to tear it down and build the building back up. Mud out the houses. Build the houses back. Our church is filled with people we want to genuinely walk by faith. Feel with people that don't want to play church games, but they want to follow the Lord. Lord, we want what you want. God, we want to go where you call us to go. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I believe that's what God wants to do today. Brokenness and prayer, brokenness and prayer, plus the Lord equals a great movement of God. Are you broken today? Are you broken that 46,000 people in Hancock County, most of whom who don't know the Lord today, 90% of our county admits to not having any church home. 90%, 46,000 people. I want to announce that 29 days from now, 29 days from now, we're going to have a meeting. And I'm calling it the Antioch, meeting. A Antioch meeting. You'll hear about it in the next few weeks. 29 days from now. The Antioch meeting. And at that meeting, I'm going to do a brief devotional from Acts chapter 13. Just three verses. Three or four verses. And we're going to pray together as a church. Those that want to come. From 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock in the afternoon. 5 o'clock to 7. We're going to pray together. And we're going to have a brainstorming session together. We're going to have a whiteboard. We're going to pray. And we're going to see and hear from heaven and the directions that God wants our church to go. You say, why? Because we need to hear from the Lord. We live in a time of unprecedented possibilities. By the grace of God, we have... If a few more things go through, we're going to have about $125,000 that we have to pay on our building here. And our payment right now is close to $7,000 a month that we pay. $7,000 to pay off our, our note. Very aggressive uh, payment plan. It's pretty awesome. Attack the debt, right? But our interest on that one hundred and twenty-five or however much it is right now is about $800, at least $800 per month that we're paying in interest. And it has been close to $1,000 a month. Actually, it was $1,200, $1,300 a month that we're paying. Every single month, we're paying that in interest. Okay? Think about that. $1,000 a month. So, what if we pray and we just ask God to pay for it? Let's just believe by faith. God owns the bank. We're going to Determine in our own heart to pray about how much we should give personally to pay this thing off. And how awesome would it be if we knocked that thing off before the end of the year? God knocks it off. Just something to think about. Say, Pastor, aren't you taking a risk? Absolutely. I mean, you want to you walk through life without, without taking risk? By the way... In the LSU State game, that was not a targeting call on that linebacker. Now, if you're going to play football today in America, you, gotta, you have to just wear pillows and act like a princess. You say, well, it's a safety thing. Okay, really? Anything that you do is a risk. This fun. I mean, water skiing, let's just ban water skiing. Let's ban skydiving. That's a risk. Let's let's make it illegal to ride a horse. Riding a horse is dangerous. People have died for thousands of years riding a horse. A life that never takes any risk. How sad. In church, we live in an era and time of unprecedented possibilities, and. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I would have trusted God a little more. I wish I would have believed that he's all-powerful and he owns the bank and he actually cares about lost people and he actually has given us his spirit to help us do his will. Life's too short to not trust the Lord a little bit. I'll close with this verse, Romans 13, verse 11. Verse 11. Romans 13, verse 11 says this. Besides this, you know the time. That the time. The word for time in the Greek is kairos. Kairos. Here it means a time for a call to action. Besides this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We have today unmatched authority over the enemy in Jesus' name. We have unparalleled understanding. We know our marching orders. And we know the mission. And we have unprecedented possibilities in the kingdom of God. Behold now is the favorable time, kairos, an opportune time, a time of favor. Today is the day of salvation. Maybe today you don't know the Lord. You say, I think God's knocking on my heart that I need to come to him today, that I need to let him wash that blood that we sang about, the blood that saves. I need to just come and confess my lifestyle of sin. I need to come to the altar and I need to receive Christ today. You come and you do that. You say, well, I may be a little uncomfortable. I don't, want, I don't know what people's going to think. Friend, the only one, only the person that's going to matter is what God thinks about you. And he loves you today. He sees your brokenness. He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. You come to Christ today. He did all the work. You just simply surrender and receive the gift of salvation. And the Bible says he'll take your sin and throw it as far as the east is from the West. Do you know Jesus today? Maybe today you've been visiting our church and we've had some conversations with you and and you realize, man, this is where I need to plant my life. I need to put a ring on it. I need to commit. I need to commit to this local church to say I'm all in. Hell or high water, I'm here. I'm going to help this church reach the world from Bay St. Louis. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been praying about that. I want to encourage you to walk the aisle. We can make that official today. You respond as God leads. Let's pray.